Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, as we get set up here, it's my privilege to uh, bring the word to you this morning. And we're going to talk just a little bit about that, about worship, the priority of worship. You'll find uh, their uh, notes in your program this morning, and you can follow along with those. Um, Several uh, decades ago, there was a guy named Harry Chapin, and um, he wrote a song, The Cat's in the Cradle. Anybody remember that song? Cats in the Cradle, yeah. Um, It's about a father who got so busy with life that he didn't have time for his son or for his family and missed being with his family and all the great things that uh, took place as they, of course, grew up. And if you you really want to get depressed, just go uh, watch that song, grab some Kleenexes and listen to the whole thing. Um, because it's just a tragic truth, it really is. But one of the verses in the song goes like this. Uh, Let's see if I can sing it. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball. Come on, Dad, come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed and said, I'm going to be like him, yeah. You know I'm going to be like him. You remember that? Wow. Song continues to go full circle. And as it goes full circle now, the dad is retired and elderly, is asking for the son to spend some time with him. And he says, Dad, I'm too busy. And it's come full circle. And how it is so many times that we can get so wrapped up in the things of life, the cares of life, the worries of life, that we forget about the priorities in our life. And one thing that we're going to talk about this morning is the priority of his presence in worship. I was thinking as uh, um, this song goes by, how fast time flies. I've got uh, my number one granddaughter on the front row right here. She's going to be a teenager next week. Oh, yeah, Ariana's here. Yeah, so um, she's our little miracle baby. That's a long story, but we're glad that Ariana's with us on the front row. Priorities in worship. There's a story in the Bible that really just depicts this whole uh, thing that I'm talking about this morning. And if you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, we're going to look at those passages and kind of break it down and see what they have to say, what Jesus had to say about that. Is this too close to my mouth? It sounds like I'm really just making a lot of noise here. Okay, I'm going to pull it back here. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Follow along with me and read this. Here we go. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So here's the story. Jesus 
has gone to have dinner with two sisters, Mary and Martha. He accepted their invitation, and, and Jesus is always willing to go and, and accept the invitation of those that invited him. Remember, Zacchaeus and others invited him, the tax gatherer, come to my home and all those things. Jesus went. He was always in the midst of people, in the presence of people. And um, he loves to be present with us. And so Mary and Martha, here they are. They invite him into their home. But the important question is, and just as the important question was to Mary and Martha, once Jesus came there, how was he treated? Once Jesus got there, what do we do with him when he arrives? How do we respond to his presence? As you came through these doors this morning, as you went and found your favorite seat, some of you sit in the same seat every time, and if somebody's sitting there, you just can't even enter into worship. And so you kind of sit there and mumble, complain, and not realizing that actually he's present everywhere. Not just by that little sign that says reserved for Jesus. If you happen to sit by one of those signs. Jesus is everywhere. It's how you welcome him. Or so you came in. Hopefully you were ready to experience and to make a priority of his presence in worship. And so our story here today sees Mary and Martha and their two different approaches to their walk with God, their worship experience, their spiritual life. Martha is the one, as we see, as verse starts out, she's the busy bee. She's getting everything prepared, the meal, the chairs, the tablecloth, whatever it is, getting everything set and ready to go, making sure that things are prepared for Jesus. And then there's Mary, who's just sitting there at Jesus' feet. She's not concerned about being busy. She's not concerned about doing this and that. She's totally occupied with Jesus, not with all the things that have to be done. Mary is busy doing things, maybe even to impress Jesus a little bit. Look how hard I'm working to get everything prepared. She's more concerned with doing than being. I think that's a contrast. Maybe we're going to take a look at this morning the importance of being versus doing. So Mary wants to build a relationship with him, not by doing anything, but by simply sitting at Jesus' feet, making the priority of his presence. And so this morning, I want to think about three thoughts today as we unpack this story. First is that there is here a critical contrast between these two personalities. And you're going to see this as we unfold and, and look at these two ladies how they responded to Jesus' presence. Secondly, I'm going to, we're going to talk about and consider Martha's crisis complaint. Her complaint in the midst of, here's Jesus in the midst of them, but yet she finds a way to complain about something. Don't look around at anybody. Third, I want to listen and, and talk about how that Jesus in the midst of that gives divine counsel and divine direction and divine correction in the midst of their gathering there. So my question to you this morning as we look at these two sisters is, do you find yourself more as a Martha or a Mary? A Martha or a Mary. So let's look at the critical contrast. Verses 38 and 39 again, it said this, introducing Mary and Martha. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. So Martha takes the lead, goes running out, welcomes Jesus into the home, into the disciples, into the home. She's energetic, full of energy, just wanting to have everything just perfect. Very strong personality. 
Martha is, or Mary is much more reserved. She's maybe quieter. She generally has less to say. The contrast in their personalities are like night and day. Now, they didn't have personality tests back then. We can take personality tests and we'll figure out what your strength is and what your weakness is. And we're going to put you into this job according to your personality test. Jesus had a pretty good idea of what their personalities and how to derive it, come to a conclusion of what they needed without a personality test. But Martha... Martha was the spiritual workaholic, always doing everything. She believed this. You want to be close to God, then you have to be serving God. She was in every committee. If there was a volunteer, she was the one volunteer. Never had to, you know, ask her twice. She's going to be there. She's going to do it. And just going to go, 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 go all the time. And then there's Mary. Mary comes in and she doesn't get, maybe she's not involved quite as much. More reserved. As she worships, she's not looking around seeing what anybody else is doing. She may not be checking her phone to see if she had any messages. Maybe somebody needs me in the other room. Martha would be, maybe somebody in the, oh, the nursery needs me. I'm going to go. Mary's sitting there, and she's turned her phone off, and she's just welcoming the presence of the Lord, just waiting for him. Every time Mary is mentioned in the New Testament, you can see her sitting at Jesus' feet. This is the same Mary and Martha, remember, that had a brother named Lazarus that had died. And Jesus came, and they came crying out to him in a frenzy. If Lord, probably Martha, Lord, if you had just been here. You're going to see a similar statement here in a minute. We just read it a second ago, but it'll kind of pop out. Lord, if you'd just been here, my brother would not have died. Okay? Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet again in, that, in those passages. You can find that in John 12, 3. So Mary recognizes as she's sitting at Jesus' feet that Jesus is superior to her. In, in, in that day, if you sat at someone's feet and someone came in, they might be elevated and sitting up on stool or something like that. People would gather around and sit around there, and that means that you're going to listen to the teacher. And so Mary was submitting to that. Jesus was going to tell her some things that she didn't know, and so she was willing to listen to what he had to say. Mary recognized Jesus' presence, and more than anything else, she just wanted to be where Jesus was. She wanted that intimate relationship with him. It wasn't about being. It wasn't just about religious duty. She wanted to know him. So Mary needed more than just a, a Bible study, which is Bible study is great. She needed more than just coming to church. She wanted to be in the very presence of God, and she was. The second thing that we look at this story is, is not only... Do we see that uh, Jesus comes and, and comes to and, and has this, sees this contrast between the two sisters? All of a sudden, there's a complaint. Verse 40, it says, But Martha was distracted with all her pre preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Martha, distracted, all that's going on. And she starts off by welcoming Jesus. Oh, thank you. Come on in, Jesus. We're going to have a meal and everything else. And then impatiently, she, she sees that, that her sister sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she says, I'm thinking in her head, of course. She's soaking up all this information. She's, you know, getting close to Jesus while I'm doing all the work. And so she gets angry at Mary. So she's already got a, some, a rift between her and her sister. 
Jesus is right there and it's already starting. There's a rift between her and Mary. And so she impatiently asked Jesus to tell Mary to get up and come to help her in the kitchen. She's distracted by the good she's doing and missing the whole purpose of why Jesus is there. So her preparations become more about a performance and she misses the whole point of being with Jesus. So Martha's questions, Jesus' care, Martha's annoyance leads her to a theological conclusion as she comes to her idea of what God is really like. And as she is being controlled by her emotions and her anger now, she actually comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, if you really love me, then. Jesus, you see that I, when I'm doing all this thing, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the serving alone? Can you tell her to help me? Lord, don't you care if you really love me? Have you ever said that? Maybe not out loud, but you ever thought that? God, if you really love me, this wouldn't be happening in my life. God, if you really love me, then this COVID thing, I wouldn't have to go through all of this junk. God, if, there's people questioning that, right? and that's the question through all the ages. If God really cared, I watched a couple of debates between uh, an atheist, famous atheist, Richard Dawkins, and uh, an apologist, um, Sean McDowell, which is Josh McDowell's son. And it was amazing. Here's Sean McDowell. His father wrote the book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, talking about the resurrection. Here's Sean McDowell just sitting there, and you can just see the joy in his face. He knows who he believes. And here's this famous, he's a Times reporter, goes all the way back into the 70s, written some brilliant books, Richard Dawkins. But he absolutely is a pure atheist. I mean, he's an atheist to the nth degree. And he starts listing all of these things, exactly what Mary's here. If there truly was a God, if there truly is a God, then why did he do this and why did he do this and why did he allow this? Why did he allow all the suffering? It's like thinking that maybe Sean McDowell had never even thought about those questions and he was going to throw them off track. And it was amazing how he just sat there. You can look it up on YouTube sometime. It really just kind of, it, it, it's very curious to see Richard Dawkins, who just seems so miserable, so angry at God that he doesn't believe in. So angry at circumstances. And so he's made it now, his, he's since passed, he, he went home to somewhere at an early age, tragically, but a brilliant mind, but so conflicted with not knowing God. And here's Sean McDowell explaining, you know, it really all comes down to, is Jesus who he says he is or isn't he who he says he is? Is he truly God or isn't he God? And because he is truly God, yes, there's things that are going on in this world that we can't explain, circumstances that we'll say, do you really love us, God? Do you really care about us? One day we'll maybe, you know what, I, like Tim said, I don't think we'll even care what the answers are at that point. We'll just, it, it won't matter then. We'll just know. But we don't know all the whys. We don't know all of the, sh if could have been, should have been, all those things. And that's what 
Mary was really, or Martha was really asking her in this underlying attitude as she's doing, doing, doing. She all of a sudden stops and said, Jesus, don't you even care about me? Don't you see all that I'm doing for you and that you allow these things to happen in my life anyway? You know, I, don't you care that I'm so busy and that I'm not even getting it? Do what Mary's doing is sitting there. So are we a, a Martha or a Mary? You know, we can get so involved even doing church work and we're busy and busy and doing all these things like that that we forget about the reason we're doing it. Have you ever met anybody that is serving all the time but they got such a bad attitude? They complain about everybody and everything. Yeah, I can't get anybody to do anything. It's just blah, 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 blah. You know, just complaining. And some, some of them aren't legitimate, but they're just complaining, complaining about everything. And they've got this attitude going on. And if you've got an attitude in serving God like that, if you've got a bad attitude in blaming everything, you better just really take some time to get into his presence. Amen? Because God doesn't want us to have an attitude like that. People were mad because the church opened. People were mad because the church closed. People were mad because we opened too late. And then people were mad because we opened too early. And so everybody, then there's emails going back and forth and texting it. And everybody's just ticked off. And yet, guess what? Here we are. Jesus is still on the throne. But there's still people going to go, God, if you really love me, if, and if, if they really loved people, they wouldn't have opened then. And if they really loved, then they wouldn't have shut down then. And it's like this constant question, so many questions around us. And this is what Jesus has to say about all this. He gives a divine, divine correction in the midst of it. He says, but the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You know, remember when Jesus said, verily, Verily. Whenever the Lord repeats himself twice, he really means it. It's not just Martha. It's Martha. Martha. Verily, verily. You are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. So Jesus, he's okay with her question. Lord, don't you care? He's okay with our questions. The question is, are we okay with the answer? <laughs> Many times. Martha, you're worried, you're bothered. You're worried and you're bothered about so many things. Here she is right in the presence of God, and yet she's worried and she's bothered. How many times we experience the presence of God? We can come in even, even this morning, and yet we're just so worried and bothered about so many things. Worried and bothered about so many things. Jesus says, Martha, you need to let go of the frustration, let go of the irritation, let go of the blame. Look at yourself honestly, and if this serving me is a difficulty to you, then you're serving for the wrong reason. Get your attitude right first, Martha, with, about your sister and about blaming me or blaming others of the situation. Get your attitude right, Martha. Then Jesus affirms Mary's choice when he says, 
You're, you're bothered by so many things, but it says only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the part, and that shall not be taken from her. Mary has chosen the one thing that is necessary. You know something? Our faith is really not that complicated. And as I watched that debate between Richard Dawkins and, and uh, Josh McDowell's son, Sean, it really came down to he had all these questions and all these statements that Dawkins came up with, all these things. And you know what? Sean McDowell, all he did was stick to one particular thing, one thing that mattered in the midst of all of what was being said is Jesus who he says he is. And he told him, you see, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe there's historical documentation. I believe that there's relational, in other words, people that have passed it on. And he says, I'm sitting here today 2,000 years later because not only is Jesus just a good man and a moral teacher, but you see, I believe that Jesus, and we're going to celebrate this in three weeks, Jesus rose from the dead and is alive in my heart and he changed my life. And he kept bringing it back, bringing it back to the resurrection. Bringing it back. Yeah, well, well, Muhammad teaches this, Dawkins, and Confucius talks this. Yeah, but Jesus is the only one that came out of a grave. And he kept saying that to him. Jesus is the only one. You see, there's only one thing that really matters, and that's Jesus. It's him. And Jesus is telling Martha, you know what, Martha? I really don't need a meal. After all, I have fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm pretty good. At going without a meal. What I really want, Martha, is, and this is the thing beautiful about this. You know, Jesus didn't say, Mary, you know what? Martha's right. Can you, can you get up and serve? And, and, you know, we got disciples here. They're tired. They're on the road. We've been doing miracles and all that stuff. Isn't there a green room somewhere? It's an inside joke for musicians. She did not tell... He did not tell Mary, Mary, get up and help Martha. He said, Mar Mary has chosen the one thing that is necessary, and it will not be taken from her. She's not going anywhere. She's going to stay right here. And we're going to come in, and, we're going to have, and she's going to get to know me. Martha, you're more than welcome to come and stop being bothered by all these other things. You're more than welcome to come and sit at my feet and learn of me. And so the question is that we have this morning is, is, is being in God's presence, is being in that relationship, is that the priority in your life? You can come and you can academically learn and, and go to a Bible study and that's good and you can come every Sunday morning. You can come and even see the words on the song and sing, sing the words and all those things. But if you're not connecting with him, if you're not sitting at his feet, if you're not taking, not just doing a devotion, but that devotion is bringing about devotion to him, then we're just busy. We're just busy Marthas. You see, it really comes down to if we're going to make the priority of his presence, if we're going to truly worship, is that we're going to enter into that place when, when, Mar when Mary's sitting at his feet and she's listening, she's gleaning from him, she's wanting to hear every word he says, not coming, just sit, coming in on Sunday morning as they're leading the worship, and they're just kind of sitting there, oh, I can't wait until this is over so I can get to the next thing. 
But almost, almost on every word, do you hear what that word was that they just sang? And God, just apply that to my life, God. I thank you for what you're doing. Or has it become just religion? We're just going through the motions. And that's what Jesus is addressing. It wasn't just a checklist of things to, oh, I got this done, I got this done, I got this done. But Mary was there wanting to spend time in worship with him, making the presence of God a priority. David was called a man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect, but it says he was a man after God's own heart pursuing the presence of God. Psalm 27, 4 says this, one thing, he says one thing. He could pray, he had, he had everything. He said, but this one thing I have asked of the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He said, I want to be in the presence of God. I want to know that God is with me wherever I go. I want to be in his presence. That's the one thing that I want more than anything in my life. Psalms 122.1 one says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because that's where the presence of God is. Not in the building, but as the children come together as we worship, the presence of God is apparent there. Psalms 42.1, I love this. As the deer pants for the water bricks, so my soul pants for you, O God. We have that same yearning, that desire, God, my soul is panting after you. I want you more than anything. Priority of his presence. So instead of getting up and saying, okay, what can I do? This morning, could you just say to yourself, Lord, how can I be? How can I put aside some of the distractions Mary, see, Martha was distracted by so many things. What has been distracting you from his presence? What has been distracting you from truly entering in into that relationship with him? Become like Mary and sit at his feet. I remember when uh, our daughters, Casey and Ashley, were 18 months apart back uh, and when Casey was about 10 years old. That's Ariana's mom. And uh, having two girls 18 months apart, of course, it was constantly, you know, daddy, mommy, do this, can, can I have this, can I have that, you know, and all that kind of things. And so it just, life gets busy, and they're, they're very needy at that age. And, of course, as parents, we love that. But sometimes it gets to the point to where it's just like, don't ask me anything else. But Casey, she come running up, she jumps on my lap, and I'm just kind of, I'm already prepared, I'm waiting. And she said, Daddy, 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 Casey, what, what, what? I said, what do you want? Frustrated. She says, Daddy, I don't want anything. I just want you. Ah! Ah! You just want me? All of a sudden, it's like, ah, melting. What else do you want, honey? <laughs> you can have anything right now. You got me. Is that our passion? Are we saying, Lord, if you really love me, you give me this, you give me that, you do this, you do that, you heal this, you do that? Or do we just come to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want anything. You've given me so much. I just want you. I just want you. I just want to worship you. 
I want to sit at your feet. Priority of his presence. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. It's so powerful. God, each of us, uh, I think we all have a little bit of Mary, a little bit of Martha at times. But Lord, you, Lord, you said that Mary chose wisely the one thing that remained, the one thing that was important. Lord, may we do that. Could you just, by your Holy Spirit, just illuminate those areas that we've become maybe so over-concerned with, overwhelmed with, so worried and distracted from you. It could be good things. It wasn't anything bad about making a meal, only that it was not the priority. It wasn't the best thing to be doing. So, Lord, would you speak to us? Can we make a, pri- we make a priority of your presence and, and just uh, walk away from those things that are, distracting us from you. Maybe instead of coming in and asking for this and for this and for this and for that and for that and for that, we would just say, Lord, I just want to sit at your feet. I just want you, Lord. We thank you that you welcome us. You won't turn us away. And Lord, you will allow us to be blessed by your presence. As we go from this place today, may we make that a priority. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen.